Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today for the transgressors memorial service, remembering those who have transgressed against the great spirit of inclusion and must forever be cast into the abyss of dead names. Let's join Brother Andrew remembering those who we have lost. First, Machine Gun Kelly, who this week publicized his obscene decision to have his arms on the top half of his chest tattooed solid black. Now, depending on whom you ask, it either looks like a half-hearted version of Spider-Man's symbiote costume, or else a postmodern expression of redaction chic, or what some have simply called busted toner cartridge camouflage. Although some MGK fans are lamenting the loss of his Cleveland tattoos, we of course have no objection to anything that de-emphasizes Ohio. But of course, the real problem here is that Mr. Machine Gun turned his upper body into one of the most vulgar displays of black torso ever seen in this country. Not satisfied to be like most minstrel show racists who put on their black face, Kelly instead has turned himself into a two-toned mockery of all people who were assigned black at birth. Now, of course, we are willing to make accommodation for transracial persons in our woke history. We are inclusive after all, but there is a process to follow. And he did not follow it. He did not get permission from the North American Society for the Prevention of Cultural Appropriation, the NASPCA, not to be confused with the ASPCA, which of course prevents cruelty to animals, or with the ASCAP, the American Society of Composers and Producers, but I digress. As you all know, any white person who petitions to convert to blackness must first take the oral exam on black identity and history, then receive a two-thirds vote from the Racial Disaffiliation Subcommittee, and finally pass a rigorous screening under the Rachel Dolezal protocols before receiving a certificate of transracial sincerity. Mr. Kelly did none of this, and in so not doing, made a mockery of everything we have done to accommodate and include would-be transracialists such as himself. For thus so flagrantly engaging in this inky hate crime, Machine Gun Kelly, we cast thee out. You are not black, you will never be black, no matter how much ink is spilled about or inside of you. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. Second, actress Selma Blair, for second-degree felony Islamophobia for her comments on a post by anti-immigrantist Abraham Hamra, who was criticizing our Congressional Squad heroines Rashida Tlaib and Cori Bush for voting against a bill that would have prevented anyone who participated in the October 7th Hamas Freedom Fighter action against Israel from immigrating to, to the United States. Blair commented, quote, Deport all those terrorists supporting goons. Islam has destroyed Muslim countries, and then they come here and destroy mines. They know they are liars, twisted justifications. May they meet their fate. After a proper scolding from the Council on American-Islamic Relations, Blair tried apologizing by saying she improperly conflated Muslims and radical Islamists and fundamentalists, and that she regrets the hurt her words caused so many decent Muslims. But this is no apology at all, for Blair, who is Jewish, is still maintaining the dangerous idea that there are good Muslims and bad Muslims. But of course, you all know that we do not deal in such distinctions. Muslims are good, period, especially when attacking Jews. Jews are good only when denouncing other Jews, and Christians, of course, can never ever be good. So when Selma Blair only recants half of her heresy under social media scourging, we, of course, must insist she be fully removed from the congregation of the faithful, cast into the abyss of irrelevance, where there is much wailing and gnashing of teeth. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. The father, father. 
finally, our strongest praise this week is reserved for Secretary of State Antony Blinken for authoring a memo instructing the roughly 69,000 workers in the State Department that they should strive to use gender-neutral language in all of their activities. The memo titled, quote, Modeling DEIA, Gender Identity Best Practices, end quote, lays out a wide variety of suggestions for promoting diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. The new acronym to replace the less inclusive DEI, which is so last week, it tells recipients to avoid gendered language such as mother or father, ladies and gentlemen, son or daughter, husband or wife, you guys, and of course, manpower. And to replace phrases like brave men and women on the front lines with more category-specific references like brave first responders, brave soldiers, or my personal favorite, brave Department of State agents. The memo also teaches such core truths as that gender identity as a person's, quote, innermost concept of self as a masculine, feminine, blend of both, or neither, which may or may not correspond with one's sex assigned at birth, end quote. It explains that the most commonly used pronouns are she, her, he, him, they, them, and zezer. Also reminding people that any pronouns a person selects for themselves represent a personal decision that should be respected. It also instructs people to not pressure others to state their pronouns and to react to mispronouncing offenses with subtlety and grace. Now, although we know that Secretary Blinken is trying to create a kinder, gentlerer culture at the State Department, we think his encouragement for the victims of pronoun violence to simply take the punch and respond with patience represents a significant and unacceptable level six microaggression. Why should the innocent person who suffers pronoun battery in the workplace not be entitled to stand their ground, act in self-defense, and prosecute the offender to the fullest extent of the HR? We find in general that fear and intimidation are far more effective tools of this gender anarchy revolution than patience and re-education. Nevertheless, despite this flaw, the memo is an excellent tutorial for beginners, and as such, we endorse it, mostly. All hail Caesar! Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. As you depart today, please consider placing a donation in the colorfully decorated box labeled Causes We Suddenly Care About This Week. Today's collections will provide much-needed sedatives for poor little Timmy Cooper, who was simply minding his own business at the local newsstand, browsing the safe-to-read section, when he happened to catch a glimpse of the Telegraph headline, Men and Women's Brains Do Work Differently, Scientists Discover for the first time. Timmy's parents found him two hours later laying in a quivering heap on the sidewalk. He finally came out of his coma yesterday, but they are keeping him sedated until he can be safely de-traumatized by a capable psychiatric virtue healer. Refreshments this week are provided by To Helen Backwash, purveyors of fine recycled spit and swill. Years ago, Zachary Miller discovered that by carefully rescuing the liquid contents of discarded plastic water bottles at sporting events, he could repurpose the untreated effluent in them and resell it to eco-conscious consumers in the very same bottles he found it in. To Helen Backwash, on the cutting edge of next-generation salivary recycling, you can really taste other people's mastication. And now, brethren, sisterin, and otherin, having been cleansed of these hurtful words, Give each other the holy virtue signal and go forth and transgress no more.